The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, food, fat, and feelings. Let's get real about dieting, binging, and body image. Are you afraid of being fat? Do you binge or purge? Do you diet? Do you think about your weight too much? Stuff your face? Feel shame about your body? I know I did when I was overweight, and when I eat things I shouldn't, I feel the shame. If so, you are not alone. Let's get out of the closet and talk about the way we feel about food and fat. Let's embark on a road of healthier eating. On this show, we'll chat with a guest who openly acknowledges food issues and who has worked hard to overcome them, therapist Helen Helix DeSanto, who will share her own experience battling a food disorder, as well as her professional views. Madame Mazurka, one of Beth's alter egos, has also promised to join us. So listen, call in questions, or email in advance. So let's all get real about compulsions, obsessions, and shame about food and fat. And let's support ourselves and each other to get healthier. So be sure to call in. And now, here is your host, Beth Green, from the Inside Out. No, darling, it's not Beth. It's Madame Mazurka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I already told Beth that I wanted to say hello to everybody because I haven't been the star for a long time. <laughs> and uh, I want to also tell you, because some of you are new to this program, that I, uh, I look like Beth with a scarf. And uh, my voice is similar to hers, but I am not Beth. I want nobody to think that I am Beth, and I want Beth to sit in her chair just for a moment. <laughs> okay, thank you, Madam Zerka, for sharing. <laughs> Welcome to... No, but darling, I'm taking over just right now. I want to tell everybody I want to do this. Excuse me. <laughs> Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Testing, testing, one, oh, two, yes. three. Okay. Welcome to Inside Out. Okay. You can take it away, Beth. Thank you, <laughs> Madam Zerka. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, ah, uh, yes. Now I feel completely discombobulated because Madam Zerka took over the opening of the show. Well, first I want to share with you that uh, we got some fabulous uh, responses to our show last time, even though we weren't deluged with uh, emails of, we did keep hearing through the grapevine, and then we would get an he- email here or there that people went into a profound, deep, altered state of consciousness on our last show. It isn't too late. You can join us. Go to the podcast for our program on altered states. Are they real and all of that? And we actually accomplished it online. And I want to tell you why I'm so excited by this. Well, first, I'm excited when anybody tells me that anything that I did worked, even if it isn't true. So there you go. That's the number one thing. <laughs> Made me feel good. But what was really important, and I did co-lead this with the guru, who is one of my other alter egos that some of you have met. But uh, he's going to try to restrain himself from coming on the show because Madame Mazurka wants to be the expert today. Um, that what we are doing here on Inside Out is we are 
co-creating an online community of people who really cherish self-awareness and are willing to get real and who want to have experiences together on the air. As I'm beginning to think of this as a kind of mini workshop on the air every week for an hour. And there are so many ways that you can participate. You can call in and we'll be giving out the phone number for today's show shortly. Uh, you can just go on and like the show in the sharing uh, possibilities on our host page. You can tell your friends about it and ask them um, to listen. And just listening is a very, very important way of participating. So if you are listening to Inside Out and you are going through the inner process with us, even if you never get on the air and call, and I know most of you don't, I mean, a vast majority of you don't, um, you are part of our online community of people who are really trying to create a world where it's safe to be self-aware and it's safe to be real and to share that awareness. So we are so pleased, as always, to have a show plan where we're going to talk about real things uh, and we're not going to give uh, glib answers because we don't have any, And but we are going to share from the heart real experiences and we do encourage you to call in and share yours and be with us today. And James, would you please share our phone number already? Yes. If you'd like to call in, please call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can email us at beth at bethgreen.org. Thank you, James. You know, it's not uh, a pleasant thing for many of us to acknowledge how few of us really want self-awareness. We want answers. We want easy answers. We want solutions to our problems. We want to be happy, thin, and free. <laughs> we, we don't want to know that we are the problem. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to know that we are the problem. And Inside Out hammers that message home. So if you are just tipping your toe into this stream, or you are fully immersed and you are already dedicated to high levels of self-awareness, we invite you to identify with our community, our online community of Inside Ad, and please join us in whatever way and pass along the word that we exist and we, we need you to be part of this community. And last time when we did our program and our uh, exercise going into an altered state of consciousness, we were so successful in helping everyone who was not there in person to be able to uh, move into this very profound state of consciousness where we could feel our oneness without getting high, because that's what we were talking about last time, you know, how we have misused and used altered states of consciousness, what they're really for, and we had an experience together. And it worked. It didn't matter whether people did it live or they did it a week later. People still had the same experience, and the energy that you bring, even a week later, is part of what we do in the moment that we're doing it live. Because in that sense, there is no time and space. If you're listening to this program two weeks from now, six months from now, you are as much a part of this live experience as we're a part of your experience in that moment. So please keep that in mind and help us to build this online community of Inside Out. So today, 
of course, we're going to be talking about the fear of fat. And uh, we had another guest scheduled, which many of you uh, were expecting if you actually read the show description. And um, not that you have to, by the way. I'm not criticizing anyone who didn't. But if you read it, you're expecting to hear from Chris, who is also struggling with compulsive eating issues, uh, but is on the thin, skinny side. And she was there to really bring our awareness to the fact that the issue is our relationship with food and our bodies. It's not about fat or thin, and that lots of thin people have issues with compulsive eating and are obsessed with fat. And I would like to jump on that little bandwagon for a moment because uh, I am somewhat on the thin side. I think right now I weigh about 102 pounds or something, which is which is a fine weight for me. I'm also a shrimp. Um, and my mother is probably 73 pounds and 4 foot 10. I'm all of 5 foot 1, right? <laughs> and my mother has bred into me a fear of fat. I mean, I was so, I would tremble if I heard the word fat or if she said, ooh, you're getting fat. You know, who was fat? You know what I'm saying? I wasn't even remotely fat and I was terrified of being fat. And if you are fat, how many people are actually willing to say the word fat? So it's so, we are so traumatized around that simple word and that simple objective description. In fact, we, you know, I'm the spiritual, well, you may not know that I'm the founder of an, or a spiritual community that is called, not an online one, although we're becoming more and more online, called the Stream Center for the New Spirituality. And uh, I'm also an intuitive counselor, and James and I work together. And I have uh, worked, in, done many workshops where we just like all gagged over the word fat. And you're trying to work with the client, and they're really, uh, we're, we're always trying to be diplomatic and saying, uh, chunky, um, um, you know, heavy set, um, uh, hefty, healthy, whatever it is. And why? Why? It's because we have so much shame about the word fat. You've seen anorexic people who are like dying and still think they're fat. That's my mother. And I actually became anorexic for, um, a couple of months at some time in my life. It was many years ago where because of illness, because uh, most of you know I have chronic illness, I couldn't really digest food. So I started getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And I got really thin. I think I got down to 91 pounds. But what I noticed is that I, I was kind of getting off on being that thin after a while. Even though I couldn't sit, I was, you know, I wasn't, I was a weak. It wasn't good. And I didn't have the strength and the stamina that I needed. But I got sort of carried away with being Life and light, and I could fit into any clothing. In fact, you put anything over me and it just draped. There was nobody underneath. And we've seen this with models, you know, and it, it's just, it's just pathetic to see these gaunt women who have hardly any bodies with clothes on them who are paid to starve themselves. And I've also worked with, um, people who are, uh, actors, uh, especially in Hollywood. And they were driven, driven, driven to starve themselves in order to have a certain image because, oh, my God, the TV is going to put 10 pounds on you. And um, They got off on it. They became, and they also got off on the 
lack of food, which kind of puts you in an altered state of consciousness in and of itself, or just eating grapes or something like that. So um, this is such an important subject. So many of us have this issue, even if we don't admit it. And on the other hand, so many of us are compulsive about eating. I mean, we eat. I do. I'm thin, but I still eat when I shouldn't. I eat when it's going to give me a stomachache. I eat food that I shouldn't. I eat for the wrong reasons. So we are going to explore all of that with our very delightful guest, Helen Hillix DeSanto, who is a an intuitive marriage and family therapist. She is part of our Inside Out community uh, because she calls in and she uh, joins us as a guest from time to time. And she's wonderful and so honest and so willing to share everything that she has to offer. So uh, with no further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our guest, Helen Hillix DeSanto. Good afternoon. Hi, Helen. Hi. You know, I was um, I was taking my daughter to a doctor's appointment today, and I was, you know, feeling anxious on the way back. And she was so insightful. She said, Mom, I think we have plenty of time. I think you're anxious about being on that show. And I said, you're absolutely right, you know, because it's about fat. So I really appreciated (laughs) what you were saying, you know, on in the introduction, because it's so true. Why don't we try this? Why don't we do a little experiment? Audience, whether you're with us live or you are disembodied and you're coming on another time, why don't we all say the word fat over and over and over and see if we can't just turn this <laughs> into a joke. Fat, 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 Oh, I wish millions of people were listening. <laughs> okay, let's get millions of people to listen. Send this to all your friends and and have them all do it with us. Fat, fat, fat. Fat, fat, fat. Fat, fat, fat. Fat, fat, fat. It is, it is, you know, they talk about four-letter words. It's a, you know, this is even more powerful. It's a, it only takes three letters. So... So, you know, the only reason that I didn't call this show The Fear of Fat was that I was, I was afraid that people would think that we were talking about like food and the fear of fat that they were thinking we were talking about saturated fat or trans fat because we're also <laughs> afraid of fat in our food. But, of course, so, uh, Helen, we have a couple of minutes before our first commercial break. I would love for you to share with us all the euphemisms that you have used or heard about fat. <laughs> well... My my nickname in the sixth grade was Pudge. Oh, God. Can you imagine there were two Helens in the class, and the other one got to be named Troy, and I got to be named Pudge. Uh, oh, that, <laughs> that is painful. I gather then you were uh, fat as a child. You know, I wasn't really... I wasn't really fat. I a few pounds, maybe. Uh, you know, that's a long story, but I'm just saying pudgy. Yeah. Yeah, pudgy, um, pudgy, plump, plump. Yes, plump is yes. my favorite one. You know, um, let's see. 
you know, curvy, voluptuous. Ooh, ooh, you yes, know, you yes. try to, you know, make these sexy sounding fat right. words. Right. Well endowed. Well endowed. Well, well, no, I don't think of well endowed. I think that <laughs> regarding penises, but not fat. Oh, I didn't think so. I was so well endowed had to do with a voluptuous female body. But that's oh, I true never, too. Ever that. I never I, I, I've never, I've, I think I've met a lot of men who have fat penises. <laughs> I don't know if it's allowed to say that on the air. How did you know? <laughs> anyway, I mean, because their egos are in them. And that's what makes them truly fat. <laughs> Darling, I don't like this. You're all having so much fun without me. Well, come okay. join us, Madame Mazurka. We don't mean to leave you out. I'm sure that fat is one of your favorite topics, too. Well, sure. I want to tell you, darling. That in my day, fat was beautiful mm. because poor was skinny. Mm. And we were always trying to look very well voluptuous, voluptuous as you would say in the English. And uh, we, you know, were not so uh, neurotic about uh, a little uh, skin and a little uh, fat under the skin. And also, you know, we were so afraid uh, of starvation that we figured that if we had a lot of, um, like having uh, food in the pantry, <laughs> so if we wouldn't starve we could live off ourselves for a long time <laughs> Very wise. I, love, I love that what about you James before, before we go to break what about from the male perspective what is a good way of talking about fat and your fear of it well of course the first thing that came to mind regarding women is I'm full figured you know yes, uh, yes. <laughs> but what uh, about for you? men oh husky Husky. Uh, yeah. Uh, Husky, yes. Hefty, hefty. Hefty. I can throw my weight around. Have we tried, <clears throat> ch- have we put out Chunky yet? Chunky, that's a good one too. <laughs> chunky. <laughs> well, we are going to go to a commercial break in a minute. As if we haven't driven everybody away, we are going to overcome this fear of the word fat again by saying it all together. And this time we're really going to let the feelings run through us like a stream of all the pain that we have felt about being fat, about being afraid of being fat, about afraid of being seen as fat, uh, the pain that we've had about judging other people as fat, the pain that we put ourselves through to try not to be fat. Oh, let's really feel that pain together. Uh, and acknowledge how much we've been dominated and how hurtful this has been. As we say the word, fat. 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 Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much. I know we're speaking for so many people because I can feel the pain. So now we're going to go to a commercial break. Don't go away. We're going to support each other through this. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. 
at the website. Sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi, welcome back. Uh, we're having a good time here talking about a very painful topic, and we also hit the pain uh, just at the last minute. And uh, Helen uh, thought of another euphemism for fat, which is stocky. Uh, and that's used a lot for men, I would say. But, uh, and I, have well, another one. I have another one for men. What's that? Big and strong. Big enough oh, big. <laughs> to throw my weight around. <laughs> yeah, but strong does not imply fat. Um, Except for sumo the, wrestlers. Oh, that, oh my God. <laughs> That's right. That's or, right. That's how true. So what we're talking about is our relationship with food. But before we could even get to it, we had to start talking about our fear of being fat. How we have two huge issues around our bodies and food. One is that we're afraid to be fat. And the second is that we eat compulsively. <laughs> and that creates a problem, doesn't it? Uh, how now? Because so we've talked about some of our fear of being fat, no matter how thin we are. Um, and if you're just joining us, do go back and listen to the beginning of the show because you will be rolling on the floor with us, I think. But now let's talk about compulsive eating or compulsive dieting or compulsive starving. So, which one of us would like to start sharing first about compulsive eating? I'll go. Good. Um, well, I can remember all my life, you know, compulsive eating has been a family experience. Um, my grandmother was fat, you know, and it happens that when they get really, when my, the women in my family get really old, then they start getting thinner and thinner. <laughs> so, really? Something I'm to hoping look forward to. Exactly. By the time I'm 80, I'll be like you, Beth. Um, <laughs> anyway. Skinny you know, and weak. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've always, you know, family events are around food and overeating, not just food, but overeating that food, mm. overindulging in food, you know, eating beyond the point that you're comfortably full and eating until you're too full, using food to comfort so, you know, it's been all my life. 
And um, how fat did you get? I got pretty fat, like 260 pounds. And you should give your height, so that means something. Five, five. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you talked about eating for comfort, be it past the point that you're comfortable, isn't there I know, isn't it, for- isn't it crazy? Yes. Crazy. It is crazy. And I, I have done the same thing. Have, it, you ever, have you ever eaten when your stomach hurt? Well, sure. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> all the time, right? Well, I wouldn't say all the time, but it's definitely. You know, it's funny when you say that to people who say, oh, I don't really feel well. I couldn't possibly eat. It's like I have to be dying, <laughs> dying, throwing up. You know, for me not to want to eat anything. You know, I'm sure there's all kinds of very interesting biological things that go on around compulsive eating. And we're not going to talk about that on this show. I mean, there's lots of other places where that's being discussed. And I'm so glad that that is being discussed. Whether it has to do with mechanisms that get distorted uh, and damaged in people so that they can't tell that they're full. Or... Uh, the you know the stimulation of certain pleasure centers in the brain, whatever it is, because I want to talk about the part that all of us really know and can understand is that when we f- don't know what else to do with our feelings, we have a tendency to try to do stuff ourselves, or to drink, or to shoot heroin up our arms. I mean, it's, we, it's the real issue for us is that we cannot, I believe, is that we can't tolerate discomfort. Absolutely. And, and anxiety. And we have to, so eating is something we can actually do. It's like, oh, I'm sitting around waiting to hear uh, whether my child uh, is going to survive an automobile accident. And I can't do anything. Now, some of us get so upset that we can't eat, but some of us can't stop ourselves because that is something that we're in control of in that moment. Well, and it's uh, something yeah. that's it's readily available and, you know, it's not, you can do it in public. Yes. You know, there are all sorts of things that I think that make food an easy addiction to indulge in. Yeah. Because of those things, because you know, even poor people have food stamps. Yeah. You know, it's, it's accessible to almost everybody. Yeah. Almost it, everywhere. It, cheap, legal, easy. Like we're trying mm-hmm. to do with pot now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is no more or less addictive, I'm sure, than food. Uh, and there's something else that I want to share about that because. There is a level of disconnection from our bodies that is required for us to indulge in, in uh, binge eating, in overeating, or even in just eating the wrong foods. It's like we have to override that our body is screaming at us. Yes. And this is one of the things that is so painful about this addiction is that it requires us to be so disconnected from ourselves. 
Don't you think that's, I mean, I don't want to get off the topic of food, but don't you think that's true of every addiction? That we're, yes, that we have to be disconnected from ourselves in order to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And many of them, specifically the body. Yes. Yes. So I'd like to kind of take a pl- uh, James, did you have something you wanted to yeah, share like on to, that? I'd like to add something to that. In my work in hypnotherapy with people as well as in my own case, uh, I, I found that there's typically if, uh, some sort of emptiness inside that a person's trying to fill, some kind of void, something that's missing, lacking. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk about feelings. The other side of the coin is that we associate love or being given to or taken care of when we have a family feast and grandma gives us a sweet piece of pie or cookies or we're rewarded with a treat uh, from the very beginning uh, from when we're little children. Even being at the breast as a little baby, we're crying, we're distressed and then we're suddenly uh, feeding and uh, we're comforted and, and the distress goes away. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. So there's that gratification feeling uh, of food, food that tastes good to us, so that uh, if we're feeling empty, alone, lonely, or just distressed or, or stressed, uh, that, that sort of diverts us. And it can become addictive because we're try- trying to repeat that feel-good kind of experience, no matter how temporary it is, and overriding the body uh, because we want to keep uh, feeding our addiction. Uh, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, James, because what I wanted to bring up is something that we talked about briefly on another show, is that we do things that, to make ourselves comfortable that are not comfortable, but that are actually simply familiar. So if when we were babies, we were acutely aware of the, our distress of being hungry, and we were fed, and that pacified that need uh, we could well begin to start a long-term association between food and real comfort. And um, there may have been times when we actually felt nurtured because a parent or a loved one or a grandparent, uh, you know, tried to comfort us and gave us food. And that association is real. But we are no longer having that experience, and yet we keep going back to it. I used to talk about something uh, where we keep going back to the same person to give us something, even though they've shown us over and over and over and over and over that we're not going to get that. And I, I said, going back to the empty refrigerator, expecting it to have something different in it. And I have done that. I mean, literally, gone to the refrigerator, staring at it, knowing full well there isn't anything in it that I can eat because I have additional problems. with. Um, it's very hard for me to digest food and deal with food. I have a lot of food allergies. I feel hungry. I don't know what to eat. I feel that kind of panic that, oh, my God, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? And I go to the refrigerator and I stand there like an idiot as though there's something miraculously going to show up in there. And that I know other people have done this. Um, and that is such a symbol of what we do in our personal relationships also. I got a hug from him five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still looking to him for another hug. And I fling myself at this guy looking for this hug that he gave me five years ago and that will never come again. 
And when we have eaten, when it actually satisfied some actual need of ours, and we had that sense of safety and security, we have an association. And we're looking for that. But we think what we need is the food. Because I would like to share that um, about food and family gatherings. So we talked about this, I think, around our holiday uh, shows, that so many of, of our family gatherings were uncomfortable, miserable. People were stressed. People were angry. People had a lot of unresolved issues with one another. And we all came together and ate. So we all stuffed our feelings simultaneously. And we do not have great associations with those family feasts. And yet, we talk about them as though we did. They were lousy experiences for the most part. Now, I'm not saying that nobody has ever had a good experience with a family gathering, (laughs) but I sure would like you to call in if you have (laughs) Uh, or send us an email um, to talk about that because most of us have had a lot of tension. And the other thing that happens around that is I would like to talk about this, darling. This is Madame Zerko. Oh, wonderful, Madame Zerko. I was wondering when you might come on uh, and speak again. Well, I want to talk about this very thing you're about to discuss. Because, you see, even though our times were different, because many of you know already that I have been dead for a very long time, that uh, the uh, essentials of the human relations has really not changed. And that um, uh, we have many associations with food, especially the women, you know, that the woman is going to prove her value uh, when she is a good cook. Now, some women, even the more aristocrats, of course, they did not prove their value by being good cooks. They proved their values by having good cooks on their staff. But... For those women, the most majority, this is the good cook, and um, they were part of uh, the survival, of course, of the family, but not only the survival, but of the pleasure and the seduction of the uh, husband. And so there is much ego uh, that is associated also with the food and the women. And then there is the loneliness that the women would feel because the men were always out fighting and killing one another. And then they would uh, have to find some way to spend their time. Um, um, They were very often, if they were uh, not working, uh, they were very often not very fulfilled in their existence. And then they could sit and they could peck at their food and at that time, uh, they didn't care so much about being fat, not only because it wasn't such an issue as it is today, so crazy, but also because the men weren't there. You never knew several years could pass before they even came back. And by that time, you could be dead, or so could they, so why diet? <laughs> <laughs> so, darling, there is a lot of history there for the women uh, with the food. And... Of course, also, that made them to look like the good mothers because if they could get the uh, cranky child to eat, uh, that also gave them some status. But the women in the eating together was a very large part of our existence to eat together and to find the companionship in the lonely times. Um, and there were even worse times, of course, when the men were home and we were even more lonely. 
Yes. Well, I think that's, that's true today. I can remember many times uh, before James came on the scene where, uh, when I was extremely lonely and, uh, I couldn't think of anything to do but eat because I had quit drinking over 30 years ago. <laughs> so what was there to do? But again, coming back to the initial point that none of this is actually making us feel comfortable. But what I think Madame Mazurka is pointing at is there is a lot of emotional associations of comfort, but that they wear out and that we are, in fact, miserable and uncomfortable, and yet we can't let go of the mechanism that we may at one moment have used that actually gave us comfort, that actually gave us pleasure. Uh, it's like having a, a lunch with the girls and once and uh, getting, you know, having a few drinks and laughing your head off and, you know, whatever, which I've, you know, I did, uh, you know, in my much younger years or going after work and then it becomes a ritual and then I'm really not enjoying it anymore but I'm doing it because I feel so desperate and I have an association and I also feel an obligation to the others to show up and there really isn't any comfort associated with that is there so um, I'd like us to talk a little bit about what we have done in order to deal with our eating and food addictions and with our feeling fat, what we have done to ourselves and our body that also ignored our needs. And, uh, and James, before yes. we go to commercial break, why don't you share with us about you being fat or not being fat? Sure. Uh, and by the way, I was hoping that uh, certainly after the break we talk about intuitively guided food plans because uh, when I met you, I was pudgy. As you have commented on. <laughs> and, and, you mean and you he, were fat, James? Were you uh, fat? I, I was overweight. Overweight? Uh, we forgot that one, Helen. Oh, uh, do I have to say the F word? Do yes. I have to say the F word? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was fat. I was fat. In fact, before that, I was even fatter. Uh, I'd gone up to 203 pounds, and when I met you, I was at 185. And back when I was in my 20s, my normal weight was around 145. So I was way over. Way over. Uh, so uh, I just want to uh, say that um, certainly I felt embarrassment about around that. I felt less attractive. Uh, I would tend to minimize it uh, and uh, ignore it and, and so on. And meanwhile, I kept uh, feeding my uh, food obsessions, the things that tasted good, felt gratifying, uh, temporarily made me feel better, or so I thought. And, and I just kept getting more and more out of balance physically. Yeah, more and more fat. More and more fat. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I love this. Let's just keep talking about this. And uh, <laughs> wonderful. So when we come back from commercial break, we're going to talk about what we have done about being fat, fear of fat, our eating compulsions, and what we can do about it and how we can support each other. So don't go away. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, 
her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Hello there, darlings. This is Matt Mazurka again. I'm very happy to be here because I would like to point out to you that if you are on the radio and talking, that is a period of time that it is very difficult to eat. So this is a new dieting plan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Matt Mazurka, one more time for your insightful comments. Don't you love me, darling? I do love you. I do love you. So, um, okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about what we have done to ourselves to not be fat, and then what can we do? That's a lot, you know, to talk about in a short period of time. So, Helen, would like would you like to lead the charge here? Sure, sure, I will. Um, I mean, I've been struggling with my weight for, mm, let's say, 50 years. I'm 64. Mm. Mm. Maybe, well, anyway, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, dieting, of course, is the most common thing. And dieting and over-exercising, I've even done that at times. But mostly fasting in order to lose weight, dieting, um, diet pills. I tried mm. that one time. Um well, and illegal drugs way back when. Mm. Was that to stay thin or to become thin? To get thin, probably. I don't know. I, I never was big on, because I, I already tend to be anxious, so I didn't really like the speedy kind of drugs. Even when I did like drugs, I was more into the pot smoking, which, of course, oh, that's the worst thing. Because, you know, the the stereotypic munchies. mm that's so, right. Anybody um, who wants to be thin, do not uh, cultivate a pot addiction. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Be careful with your drug of right. choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, mostly those things, you know, controlling what I ate, being on a strict structure. You know, these are all the negative things that I've tried. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you lose weight? Oh, Sure. And uh, did you feel different when you were thin? Yes. How, how did it make you feel? Well, this kind of gets a little bit more complicated into other kinds of things, but um, more attractive, certainly mm-hmm. lighter, 
like you were saying about when you yeah. started liking being anorexic. Yeah. Yeah, you are lighter, so you, you feel lighter. Yeah. You yeah. look better. You look better, quote unquote, in your clothes. You know, everybody yeah. Madison Avenue tells you that, and so does everybody else. Yeah. They say, "Oh, you look marvelous, darling. You've you must you've lost weight, haven't you?" Exactly, and you know, you were talking about how your mother was the thin police. My father has always been the thin police, and he's still around, still mm. police, still policing. Mm. <laughs> he's hyper vigilant. You know, he and his wife, my stepmother, are you know hyper vigilant about weight and always on a diet and always monitoring you know which maybe works for them but uh that's what i've tried and did you hurt yourself in the process of having these wonderful feelings about yourself and how you looked well i think that the two sides of it are the tendency to get into Unhealthy relationships when I was really actively dieting all the time was when I was really actively having lots of relationships with men, wanting mm-hmm. validation, 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 you know, wanting, oh, to, yeah. wanting to be wanted, wanting to be wanted, desperately wanting to be wanted. And um, so that's on the one side. And then the other side of the shame of being fat or the shame of, you know, getting into those sick relationships to get the validation. So it's just so contaminated with other feelings. That's such a good point. Uh, I've known a lot of compulsive eaters, uh, myself included, uh, that eat secretly as though no one is ever going to know. I mean, the evidence walks out the door with you. Or uh, we wear looser and looser clothes, or whatever it is that we think we're doing that's going to hide the, the the pain. And it, it is, you know, we're we're on the on one hand, it looks like we're hiding the fat, but on an, on the other hand, what we're really doing is we're hiding the pain that's under the fat, right? That we feel so helpless over that we don't know what to do. And in fact, one of the things that I was going to share before Madame Berserker started talking about the historical perspective is how anxious we actually are and that we feel so much anxiety and that we often eat when we're anxious because we're anxious. Exactly. I, was, I wrote this down earlier. We were talking about uh, how we get together like you were saying, yeah. going out to drink with the girls after work on Friday or whatever, or when we're getting together with our family for a big family event, I know that part of the energy in the field is that everybody is anxious because they know they're going to overindulge mm. in some way, and they bring that anxiety about knowing they're going to do something that isn't healthy for them when they get there. Right, or, you know, I would drink a margarita, which was a way to combine my alcohol addiction with my sugar addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, how much I was actually indulging in a sugar addiction when I was being an alcoholic. Right. Which is something that, you know, I was able to overcome. And yeah, the pain that we all feel and the anxiety we all feel. I, I, you know, we don't have a lot of time on this show, and I would like to talk a little bit about what does work and 
I want to start with one point, and the most important point is self-love. You know, when I really love myself, I mean really as an active verb, really love myself, I notice what I'm doing to my body. And most of the time I don't want to know. Because my, you know, I, 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 this thought crossed my mind, oh, maybe 30 years ago. The body never lies. If I'm eating compulsively, it will show. If I am starving myself, it will show. If I'm taking drugs, it will show. Everything that I do will ultimately show up in my body. And my body feels and my body cries and my body complains and I just keep trying to shut it up and so the love of self needs to be not only the love of our minds the love of our spirits but also the love of our bodies that we love our bodies enough to hear them if we haven't permanently destroyed their capacity to speak we can hear our bodies we can hear our bodies telling us not to take drugs not to take diet pills you know, and that we start on the basis of what can I eat that will nurture my body. Uh, we had a food group years ago, and James was talking earlier about the intuitive food plans because um, I gave him, and then Helen, I think, gave him an intuitive food plan that what we do is intuit what are the right foods for you to eat and at what time of day and so on. And it didn't necessarily mean that you would lose weight. It just meant that you would, if you ate in the right amounts, nurture your body and give your body what it actually needs. And it's difficult for people like me who have so many food allergies and inabilities uh, to really to even find food that actually nurtures me. But I've seen it happen over and over. And I mean, what happened with you, James? Do you want to share that? Yes, I would, because the intuitive uh, food planning uh, worked better for me than anything else I'd ever tried. Uh, dieting generally results in a yo-yo effect if you take it off and you put it back on, you take it off and you put it back on. Whereas with the uh, intuitively guided food plan, uh, when I met you, I weighed 185, and I soon after uh, we got together, I, I had that intuitively guided food planning session with Helen, and... Uh, I literally, the weight just melted off of me. That was just a side effect, as I was also doing healing work on uh, inner factors. But uh, in a matter of a few months, I lost 40 pounds. I went from 85 to 145, a weight that I had not been at since I was 19 years old, uh, which was my appropriate weight. And for the last several years since that time, I have maintained that weight because it's my natural weight. So this, to me, has been profound that using the intuition to arrive at just the right kinds of foods and just the right kinds of amounts of the food uh, has had that kind of effect for me. It's very remarkable watching James eat, actually, because he eats constantly. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's the kind of guy you say, well, you know, it's no big deal for him because he eats constantly and he always stays the same. But when I met him, he was fat. So obviously there was a time when eating constantly. And another thing I want to share with you guys is that when I first started to do intuitively guided food plans, uh, back in the early 80s, I had a client come to me with a son who was hyperactive. And at that time, uh, the inner voice said to me, Beth, every food is a drug. And I talked about that last week on our Altered State program, that we're always altering our state of consciousness. And eating is a major way of doing it. God said to me, 
Celery, if you eat a piece of celery, it's a drug because it is going to impact your chemistry and that's going to impact your emotions and everything else. And so understanding that, I could see how AD, this child who seemed to have ADD, just by taking him off sugar and salt, uh, had a profound impact on his mind. And so this eating right for yourself is not only about being thin or being at the appropriate weight. It's also about being sane and um, not pumping ourselves up with sugar and not uh, we're not suppressing our feelings by eating fat and other comfort foods. We are playing with drugs, guys, every time we put food into our mouths. And if we have love for ourselves, we will want to know what is bothering us and we will want to find ways of healing ourselves in our inner emotional state. And sometimes it, it even takes medication. Some people need things like antidepressants or anti-anxiety drugs. But none of that can be covered up when we take away all of the addictive ways that we've covered up all of that raw emotionality that's driving us into this eating and binging, uh, then we're really confronting the emotional cesspool that resides within most of us on a regular <laughs> basis if we would only pay attention and that our bodies, if we listen to them, are giving us that feedback and that there's something we need to do about it. Helen, is there something you would like to say before we close today? I just wanted to add to what you're just saying right right now, which is that if the problem is that we disconnect from our bodies, then we need to learn why do we disconnect from our bodies. It, you know, is did your you know did your promiscuous early sex make you hate yourself? Did were you molested as a child, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth? Did you get attention for being beautiful, and your sister was made to feel ugly, and you feel guilty about it? Whatever, there's some reason that we need to heal so that we don't disconnect from our bodies. And some people do it with their minds. Yes. You know, they disconnect from their minds because they've been told they're stupid or whatever. But the fat, those of us who are fat or struggle with being fat, I think it's exactly what you said, that we disconnect from the body. Uh, Instead of letting it speak and guide us. And I, I love what you're saying, Helen. I really, really want to encourage every one of you to... Do the deep inner personal work to see what's happening. And also, the self-love comes out in wanting your body to be healthy rather than thin or whatever you think it should look like. That to really try to do everything that we can in order to nurture our bodies, not separate from our, our minds and our spirits, but in wholeness with that. And if you've got some guy or woman who doesn't like your body in its natural shape, leave them. Don't leave yourself. So, James, would you like to share what we're doing next week? Yes. Our next edition of Inside Out will be How to Become Free from Shaming Ourselves and Others, a mini-workshop. Most of us have been taught through the liberal use of shame, bad boy, bad girl. I know I was. This conditions us to use shame to try to discipline others and or to stop people from hurting us. Does shame work to help us change or to support others to do the same? In small doses, shame can bring awareness to hurtful behavior. But shame is so painful, it often backfires. Shamed people usually get defensive and counterattack. Or they feel so devastated, they're too paralyzed to change. 
So we're going to be dealing with this topic next time, and we're going to have some experiential processes to help us overcome shame and embrace new ways of being. Uh, so Beth will be leading us in some processes along with her alter ego, the guru. You can participate live or via podcast, podcast rather, and share the show with others. And now a final word from Beth. Thank you so much, James. And remember, guys, don't use shame to discipline your children around their own eating addictions. Find out what's going on. Until then, this is Inside Out. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.